welcome to Look Over the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Abdullah, and with me today is Introduce Yourself. Hi, I'm Lauren Mayfield, and I'm a Los Angeles voice actor. And what are you known for? Lately, uh, I've been known for playing Societ in uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. I do a ton of NPCs in the new Inazuma area of Genshin Impact. Uh, and just recently, I got to announce that I play uh, Deadly Dinner Discordia in Smite, which is a ton of fun. I love her. That's pretty cool. They're still doing <laughs> Smite <laughs> skins. Oh, goodness, yeah. I feel like I see auditions for those at least every couple of weeks, so they're always churning more out. <laughs> Does it feel weird, like, going back to that game after all these years? Not not really. Uh, I This was actually my first character for Smite. I've been seeing auditions for, for years and years, but this was the first time I booked, uh, so that was a lot of fun. I think I have auditioned, oh gosh, I went back and counted one time. I think it was for 70 or 80 different characters. It really is uh, just a matter of waiting for the right one to click and, and Deadly Dinner Discordia uh, definitely clicked because she's a little bit crazy and I love playing really crazy characters. And speaking of like auditions, like is that usually normal for you? Like putting out as many auditions as you can and seeing what, what sticks and what doesn't? I think so. I, I think that's the way for many people and, and certainly for me. To a point, I do my best to not audition for anything that I know that I wouldn't be a good fit for. Uh, pretty early in my in my journey, I took a really good class uh, that talks about character archetypes. And what that class really showed me was what sort of characters my natural voice is going to to do really well at without me having to try very hard, and what sorts of characters are, are not going to be as easy for me uh, in a way that they would be for other people. So for example, I, I do a lot of um, older sisters and uh, young moms and things like that, but my voice isn't really going to sound like a six-year-old unless I really, really try. Whereas I have friends who just naturally can sound like six-year-olds, but they're going to have a harder time playing moms or older sisters. So when I audition, I try really hard to sort of look at all the characters, figure out, you know what, which ones are going to fit and which ones are just going to be kind of a waste of everyone's time. I don't want the casting director to have to listen to an audition that's just there's just no way it's going to be the right fit for the part. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a combination of both. I, you know, you throw everything out and you see what happens. Um, but also there's a little bit of strategy involved too, because you don't want to waste people's time. And, you know, you mentioned caricature archetypes. Um, what would you say are some of the archetypes you excel at? Uh, I have very naturally clear diction, which you can probably hear from how I talk. Um, so anything that involves um, being very clear and confident uh, is usually something that I do very well at. Uh, I've been uh, told that I can sometimes sound very theatrical when I perform, which doesn't surprise me because I come from a theater background and that was very much a part of my training. Um, so yeah, you know, of course I'm drawing a complete blank now that you've asked me <laughs> being put on the spot. But yeah, uh, like I said earlier, I, I do a lot of uh, young moms, older sisters, um, best friends, things like that. Things that are um, 
are kind and, and confident and, and sweet. That's usually kind of the pocket in which I live. And then on the other side, I love playing completely off the wall crazy characters. Uh, my Smite character was very much off the wall and crazy. She's a porcelain robot that's obsessed with cleaning. And that's very much not me in my normal life at all, but she's so fun and so out there and so theatrical. I really like going big for characters like that too. So I, I have kind of a couple of different worlds in which I like to play. And you mentioned uh, Genshin. And uh, when I was looking you up on, you know, IMDb, I noticed like one of the characters you voice in Genshin is an old lady. And I'm just wondering... What was that process like? Because with Genshin, it has a very anime-esque mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, tone. And I'm kind of wondering, was that the audition? Was that what you were going for when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, bringing this character to life? And that, uh, because we, because uh, as we know, uh, when you say old lady, we, you're talking about like, what, what do you mean old lady? Like how old, you know, what type of... Um, old lady do you want do you want like a cartoony old lady anime old lady what was uh, what was the process like you know it's it's funny you bring that one up because i actually didn't audition for that character i i had read on some other things and they brought me in and in one session i did a number of npcs sort of all at the same time and you know most of them were closer to my normal voice but then towards the end they completely surprised me with this character i had no idea ahead of time that i was playing an old lady so i had to make very quick decisions about how i would sound and uh, what we were going for. I didn't have a picture. I didn't know what she looked like until the the update was released and I got to see her in the game. So, you know, in those moments, you just really rely on your director and and uh, he seemed happy with the, the choices I was making and what I was doing. And so we stuck with it. And so I was actually very relieved uh, when that update came out to see that it had such an anime aesthetic. So I, I felt like it worked <laughs> in a way that would be much better than, say, trying to act um, as an authentic, uh, you know, real-life elderly woman, which I am not yet. So. <laughs> and um, when you audition for these types of games, when you're auditioning for, um, well, not auditioning, well, I mean, when you're called up to or auditioning for uh, NPCs or additional voices, what is that process like? I, I actually really love doing that kind of work. Um, you know, it's it's not nearly as as uh, public facing as say, you know, the, the wonderful actors uh, who are playing the playable characters in Genshin, but I really love doing NPCs. I love getting to wear a bunch of different hats, uh, sometimes in the same session. I, I think my record is is uh, five or six characters in in one uh, session, which was really, really fun uh, for Genshin. Uh, but yeah, you just have to be really flexible and, and just sort of be able to make those split second decisions, especially when you don't get the script ahead of time and you're just told, you know, okay, this lady is, you know, in charge of the tea house and she's kind of mean, uh, she's really strict and really proud of herself in her job and go, and you just have to go. (laughs) It's, it's a lot of thinking on your feet, um, which is why I know so many so many voice actors uh, recommend improv classes for anyone looking to get into this kind of work because it just loosens you up and it helps you trust yourself so that when someone gives you a bunch of different 
things they want you to do, you can just jump right in and not worry uh, so much about getting stuck in your own head. Especially with a game as big as Genshin and the multiple areas and multiple NPCs, it can kind of be um, kind of be uh, kind of be very scary going into into that and wondering like, hey, what am I going to be playing in this? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's always a bit of a mystery, but I think that's what makes it fun. And it's why I really like doing um, additional voices or Walla or, you know, anything that involves just filling out the world and, and getting to to make sure that uh, the main characters have some fun people to interact with. And that's another um, aspect of voiceover we that's very uh, that a lot of people don't mention is that sometimes people come in to just fill out the world. Mm -hmm. And I know Rockstar does this a lot where they get all the where they where they get all the main cast in their roles and then they get in all the recognizable voice actors that you know and have them do like background characters that you find in the mm -hmm. world and I think that that's really interesting way to to go about it because it's because it subver subverts expectations in that you know when it comes to you know these types of video games we expect people like Troy Baker or Nolan North to play the the main character but when it comes to Rockstar they're sometimes um they cast complete unknowns in the main roles and all the established talent is additional voices which I find is interesting yeah I think it just depends on the project and and I think especially for <laughs> for additional roles and additional voices because it's so fast and because you have to make these strong decisions in very small amounts of time versus when you're a, a lead character you often spend multiple sessions with that character so you have more time to to sort of get in their skin and figure out who they are but i think part of the reason that you'll sometimes see these these legendary actors you know playing these smaller characters it's because the the directors and the producers know that they're going to give a good performance with very little information because they're pros and that's what they do and uh, how long is the average session for additional voices yeah, usually it's about the same as as any other session. Uh, depending on on the style of project, it's usually either two or four hours. Um, most of mine have usually been two hours. Oh, that's pretty good because <laughs> uh, yeah, usually it's not bad. the usual session is uh, four hours, I think. So yeah, I I think it uh, it really just depends on the the studio you're working with, the type of project, uh, how it's all set up on the back end. Uh, uh, just in terms of paperwork and, and all that sort of thing. But for the most part, I have traditionally done mostly two hours, uh, which is nice because then I, I'm not uh, putting strain on my voice or anything like that. And is it does it feel weird hearing your voice coming out of a lot of characters or are you used um, to it? Yes and no. So... I I have been listening to myself since I was a really little kid. Uh, we had one of those push-button tape recorders when I was little where you would hold your, your thumb on the button and as long as your thumb was on the button, it would record you on, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but you know, you put little cassette tapes in um, and that's how you'd record yourself. And my neighbor and I made up uh, this imaginary radio station and we would voice the hosts and we would voice all the musical guests and you know we would just record ourselves and I got such a kick out of it so even when I was little I sort of got used to hearing myself if that makes sense but 
it still it totally blows my mind when something gets released and I get to hear it, you know, coming through my, my TV speakers and go, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I get to be part of this. That, that feeling never really goes away. And do you play any of the games you're in or do you, are you, are you not a gamer? I, I play some. I, I play Genshin a lot, uh, usually in the morning. Uh, my husband and I have a cat, and she really likes routine. So after I feed her in the morning, she always wants to sit on my lap for a while. And so I just started you know, playing Genshin while she was there so that I would have something to do while she was taking a little nap. Um, and it's such an easy game to sort of pick up and put down when you need to. Uh, you're not you know, spending hours waiting for a save point because you can sort of just you know, jump in and out whenever. And it's such a beautiful game. So yeah, I play, I play Genshin just casually. Um, I've played, uh, some of Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. I wanted to make sure I was far enough in the story so that when, uh, Yule, uh, who is partnered with Societ, uh, was released that I'd be able to at least see her stuff. You mentioned you play Genshin. I'm like, I'm, now I'm kind of wondering who are your, who, who do you got on your main team? Oh goodness. Uh I I don't spend any money on that game. I I just sort of pull characters as I get the free currency as I go along. So my main team is sort of all four-star characters because that's who I've had the longest and who I've gotten uh the strongest. So I use mostly the Traveler, Lisa, Bennett, and Kaya, give or take. That's that's kind of my main four right now. I'm such a casual player. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think the problem with Genshin for me is that whenever I get a new character, I won't have time to play them because it's like, well, I got to level them up to to the level my current yeah. characters are in. And Absolutely. that's going to take forever. And it's just uh, more work. Yeah, I think especially if, if you're if you've had your main team for a while and they're much higher in level and and abilities than the new characters even though the new characters are awesome it it just takes it takes a while i feel you i understand it's especially annoying when they have limited events and you can only get a certain character in a limited event and if mm -hmm. you miss that event get away for it to come back in rotation yeah i i've just i think since since day one i i didn't start playing it until i found out i was going to be working on it um mostly because i had heard so many people talk about how addicting it is and how you're going to spend all your money and get so sucked in and i i was i didn't want to touch that i didn't want to put myself in a situation where i couldn't uh walk away from a game if i needed to but uh once i found out i was going to be working on it i thought okay i need to know what this is and and how this world works and um, I do find it terribly addicting, but uh, I, I think f because from the get-go I went in going, okay, like this is, this is fun. This is not going to consume my life. I can put it down when I need to. Um, it got it got easier to, uh, to just just play for fun. And I have I have friends who work in the game, and I love getting to hear them. And it's it's just a just a nice nice world to play in. And have you met any of the other Genshin cast cast members? Uh, not, not so many of them in person, um, but uh, a very dear friend of mine, Deneen Melody, does a number of NPCs as well. Uh, I love her, her little kids that she plays in that game. And then virtually, um, I've met Stephanie Sutherland, who's wonderful. She's just one of the loveliest people uh, in this town. 
Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, uh, Laura Stahl is lovely and uh, Koi is, is wonderful. There's, I have to stop and think about it, but I actually know a lot more people in that game than I think I do. <laughs> Because it's a big cast, and it can sometimes I even forget that so and so is in the game. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot they're in the game. Yeah, it's it's always weird sometimes when I'm playing and I go, do I know this person? <laughs> And then you look it up and realize, oh yeah, I just talked to them the other day. because I keep forgetting. Oh yeah, Brittany <laughs> Cox is in that game. Yeah. oh, <laughs> that's right, she is. See, even I even I forget sometimes. It's just such a huge cast, and they're always adding to it. Yeah, um, and they, I think, announced, like, one of the new playable characters is going to be voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, and I'm like, that's amazing, and, uh, That'd be cool. yeah, <laughs> they introduced his character in, in the story, and um, I'm just waiting until he drops, because I'm like, yeah, I know I'm going to spend, like, hours trying to get his character, because he's, yeah, it's, it's Yuri Lowenthal, come on, man, <laughs> you I I think everything he does is just is just so incredibly wonderful. He's he's one of those legends for sure. know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, I'm a simple man, I see Yuri Lowenthal in something, I'm, I'm going to watch it or play it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, speaking of voice actors, do you have any inspirations? I I I do in in sort of different ways. So when I was younger, you know, there there were these just these incredible talents and I'm sure you hear the same names over and over again. Um but I think the first voice actor I never or that I ever knew by name was Jim Cummings. And I I sort of put together how many different voices he did and how many things he was in and I that's when I started really paying attention. Um And then now my, my inspirations are slightly different because now I'm really inspired by, by people who are not only incredibly talented, but also just incredibly good people. Um, there, there are some, some lovely, lovely people in this business who are not only incredibly good at what they do, but also just genuinely nice people. Um, I, I think, any anything involving acting there's always this this temptation to you know make it all about you and me 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 and me first and and that sort of thing and and the voice acting community is is certainly wonderful and and looks out for each other but i think there there are those special people um that that you get to work with and that you sort of go you know what like you're you're something really special and i i want to be like you as my as my career progresses And with um, home recording being more common these days, do you think that's made things easier or harder for people to get into the business? I, I think in terms of getting into the business, certainly easier. Um, I know that uh, Melissa Medina, who I think you had on, Oh, on Melissa, the show, she, she was great. yeah, <laughs> she, she was the Yule to my associate in Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. She's fabulous. Um, but I know she, you know, she doesn't live out here. She doesn't uh, live in California. And because she has such a good space and is so talented, you know, they had no problem working with her. Um, I do think home recording has certainly made the engineer's jobs harder. <laughs> um, and I, I know that uh, it just creates more work for them on the back end, especially when you have to make so many different people's home setups sound good together. Because you can have home setups that sound really good by themselves, but the moment you get people having to talk to each other, I, I just know that they've been working extra hard to make that sound good and, and more power to them because I don't think anything over the last year would sound 
anything like it it did without them putting in a lot of hours to make that happen. No, I've said this before um, many times, but the real heroes of the pandemic were the engineers because they they were the ones that had to make everything sound good. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And actually, when when the the quarantine first started, a lot of people were kind of panicking. Um, because it wasn't really necessarily the norm yet to have a broadcast quality setup at home. You wanted a good enough setup so that when you recorded your auditions, there wasn't anything distracting happening. Like you didn't want to hear dogs barking in the background or, you know, fire trucks or things like that. But, you know, it didn't have to sound completely professional because for the most part they were just listening for the acting and then they'd bring you into the studio if you booked the job um so when all of a sudden it was everybody's got to pivot and and have a home space that not only sounds good for auditions but sounds good for you know network tv or the xbox or whatever it is everybody kind of panicked and there was a group of engineers who completely for free ran a uh, a couple of Zoom meetings and invited all the, the voice actors who were interested and walked us through, you know, what we were going to need, uh, how much we realistically needed to spend. Because um, it's so easy, I think, to to get microphone envy or, or booth envy and think, you know, oh, well, if I get the most expensive one, then that'll be it. And that's not always the case. You can, you can, um, you know get by on on microphones that are you know not twenty thousand dollars for example um and so they they kind of got together and said okay you know here's what our studios are going to need if we help everybody get through the initial panic and and get what they actually need to do this then we're going to be okay and it was so incredible of them to do that and i know a lot of us felt a lot better uh, about this this whole thing after they they kind of walked us through it yeah, because uh, when another thing is that when you're recording from home, you have to watch your own levels and gain and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When before you would just go into the studio and the engineers would take care of it. Absolutely. And and often, even with recording from home, you know, depending on how you're connected to the studio, if you're using a program where they can see your file coming in in real time, they can jump in and tell you, you know, hey, let's do another take because your levels were too hot. And you go, oh, OK, adjust it. Um, but yeah, you're you're definitely spinning more plates when you record from home. The nice thing, and I know that some people have been really into this, is... Um, you know, you don't have to account for traffic. You know, before, if you were doing, you know, two sessions back to back, you had to make sure you had enough time to drive from one studio to the next. But when you have sessions from home, you know, if you want, you can jump out of one session and immediately into the next one and just work more that day because you're only in your own booth at home and you don't have to drive across the town. I mean, that that is a positive. I, I know I've talked to some people who are like, hey, you know, the one thing I don't miss about the, the before times is uh, traffic, so that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, I I still like going into the studio when I can, because after a year and a half of of not you know going outside a lot, <laughs> uh, it's a nice treat. Um, and and the studios are so careful when they bring you in, and you know they make sure everyone's safe and that there aren't 
uh, people in in the building that don't need to be, and and uh, so I do, I do a bit of a of a mix. I, I do some sessions from home, and occasionally I go into the studio if it's something that they they really want to have a very consistent sound uh, for all of the actors involved. And what do you prefer, recording from home or in the studio? You know. During the session, I prefer being in the studio, and then when the session's over, I prefer working from home, uh, because when I drive home after an in-studio session, then you go, oh yeah, traffic, that's a thing. <laughs> so a little bit of both, but I, I, I like the, the experience of going into the studio, so you know, given, given the choice, and as long as I feel safe, I'll, I'll probably choose that every time. I mean, and that's another positive of finishing early, is that you, know, you can beat the traffic Yes. <laughs> Always a good thing. Um, and after like a, a year and a half of, you know, recording from home, do you, would you say that you're used to it by now? I think so. There, there are still some projects that make me nervous. Anytime I have to do a lot of yelling, I, I get a bit nervous uh, just because most home booths that voice actors have are not terribly large. Um, so, you know, if you're really screaming your guts out, you have to really be careful so that you don't distort the sound or, or you know, mess up the recording in any way. Um, but just in terms of, you know, speaking like this at my natural, you know, speech levels, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty used to it by now. Um, and then it's just a matter of doing my thing and, and listening to the director. Uh, you, get, you get very used to hearing voices in your ear. Uh, because you don't have anybody on the other side of the glass to look at. But yeah, I think after a year and a half, it's it's sort of become routine at this point. And uh, how do you feel about efforts? I love them, personally. I think that makes me a bit weird. Um, but I have always really liked doing them. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, like anything, you know, you have to make sure that you don't hurt yourself. Um, and I've I've only had great experiences with directors who you know, are always checking in and, and saying, you know, hey, you know, do you need a break? Do you need, you know, tea, water, whatever it is? Um, I I have yet to be in a situation where I felt like I was being pushed too hard. And some of that is also, you know, having the training to know how to support your voice when you're doing efforts. Um, but I, I really love doing them. I, I love the, the death screams and the the grunts when you're, you know, throwing yourself off a cliff or anything like that. I think they're a lot of fun. Um, and they're the kind of things that I didn't get to do as much when I was mostly performing on stage. So I, I find them really unique and fun uh, to voice over specifically. And speaking of, I kind of forgot to ask this, but how did you get started? How did you, how did <laughs> that you is get, okay. Yeah, how did you get started and how did you get into voiceover? Yeah, so uh, I came from a theater background. I've been stage acting for most of my life. I, I fell in love with it uh, when I was a kid and, you know, did it all through school, went to college uh, and got a theater degree. I still do it when I can, obviously haven't in a while with the whole pandemic thing, but I definitely uh, plan to go back to it when I feel safe. Um, but yeah, a lot of musical theater, Shakespeare, different kinds of plays. I, I just loved, I loved stage work. I really did. Um, but I didn't really see myself making that my entire career. It, it takes 
a certain amount of uh, flexibility, I guess, in in that, you know, the people that really do stage work professionally, and that's all they do, they're constantly, you know, traveling and moving to different uh, towns to, you know, do a show for two months, and then you go back and, and do things again. And while I love theater, I also love stability. Um, so I really liked the idea of being able to, you know, pick a place and live there and, and feel like I had a routine. Um, so, oh goodness, seven or eight years ago now, um, I, I had a day job and I had just been passed over for a promotion at that job. Uh, one that pretty much everybody I worked with was so surprised that I didn't get. So I was feeling very sorry for myself. And I happened to be listening to uh, some radio dramas. And I remember thinking, you know what? I have always loved this kind of thing. And I can either sit around feeling sorry for myself because I didn't get this promotion at work, or I can finally give this a shot. And so that night, I, I went on the internet and I looked up, you know, places near me that taught voice acting classes. And I found this this studio that had um, a bunch of different classes that you would sort of go through in order. And it taught you pretty much everything about the basics of the business. So we worked on animation. We worked on audiobooks. We worked on commercials and narration and all sorts of different fields. And I completely fell in love with it. And I thought, okay, this this is something that I feel like I can be good at. And I still get to perform, but I can, you know, really put my roots down here in, in Southern California and, and not feel like I'm constantly having to chase the next job all over the country. Um, and ever since then, I'm just constantly training, constantly in classes, even to this day. Um, I love that there's always something new to learn. And I love uh, that there's always new projects to audition for. And I think especially with the pandemic. I mean, studios that aren't in California even are are sending auditions and in a way that didn't necessarily happen before because nobody really bothered to try to, to work with actors in other areas. So um, yeah, that's that's sort of how I how I stumbled into it. But I've completely fallen in love with it. And I expect to be doing this probably until I can't do it anymore. And what is it about voiceover specifically that you like so much? I really love that the types of projects that you get to audition for are so varied in a way that you don't really see so much with theater or film. Because in voiceover, you know, you can have an audition for, you know, a very dramatic, you know, intense war zone military game one minute and the next you're auditioning for a fairy or an ogre or a little kid or an old lady or you know anything like that whereas in theater you know with a few exceptions you're kind of limited to what the the human body can do on a stage and i i think film is very similar in that the vast majority of of auditions you see are are just humans playing humans and I love and I've always loved that in, in voiceover, you can, you can be anything. You can, you know, 
create these worlds and because animators and game developers are so genius at what they do they they can create these these sandboxes for us to play in that we would never get to see in in film or theater or tv and what is um your favorite type of role to play I, I'm always telling my husband, uh, I love playing what I call the crazies. I, I love anyone that's big and loud and, uh, a little bit nuts. Um, those were always my favorite roles to play in theater too. So I, I think I just have always gravitated towards those types of things. Uh, probably because I'm not particularly loud or crazy in my real life. So it's, it's a fun outlet. Uh, it's a nice way to to play and and to be something you're not and to feel like a kid even even in your your adult life and uh, uh speaking of um ca crazy characters if if you could voice any existing character from any franchise who would it be and why oh goodness hmm i I think I would love, I, I'm not the right person for this by any means, but I, I would love to do like a big bombastic villain, I think, like a Wicked Witch of the West or a Maleficent or an Ursula or something like that. And and I don't think my natural voice suits that by any means, but I, I would love to be like a big theatrical Disney villain. I think that would be so much fun. I mean, a lot of people just want to be Disney villains because that's that's the best job in the world to be a Disney I villain. Agree. <laughs> oh, they're they're just so fabulous, and that's the thing is Disney does such a good job of making you like their villains. I mean, there's there's merchandise for them for goodness sake. Uh, you know, people aren't necessarily rooting for for shakespeare villains some might um but you know everyone loves maleficent everyone loves scar everyone loves ursula i think you know they're written so well and they're so fun and over the top that even though you know they're the bad guy you can't help but but root for them a little bit now it still makes me laugh that um gaston became a meme <laughs> over the years right <laughs> oh gaston he's fun uh, but uh... You know, you mentioned villains. Like, what is it about villains that um, make you want to play, play, go into that role? I, I think, I think it's because well-written villains don't see themselves as villains. If they're written well, they think that they are the protagonist in their own story. And I've always found that fascinating. I think it's really cool that uh and of course i'm reaching for disney villains because they're the easiest to talk about but you know maleficent doesn't wake up in the morning and go you know what i'm gonna do today i'm gonna be an awful person because i can she wakes up and says i have been wronged i have been insulted i have been slighted and i deserve to be compensated for that and i think there's something so fun about that that over-the-top, deep-seated uh, hatred that is also somewhat non-threatening, uh, especially when it's in the context of a kid's movie. Because um, I, I am actually really, really terrified of like horror films and things like that. That's just never been something I, I've particularly wanted to sit down and watch. But, but villains in a children's story are, are fun to play uh 
without being truly horrifying, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, you say that, but I, I'm guessing you haven't watched Hunchback of Notre, Notre Dame <laughs> because that uh, is a... Not, not in a while, but yeah, I agree with you. That he, is, he is a dark movie. <laughs> it is dark. It is certainly dark. I haven't watched it in a long time, but you're right. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think especially when you grow up in, you know, in a, in a society that frowns upon, you know, being uh, overly loud or angry or anything like that. I think when you, when you get to play those, those larger than life characters, it gives you kind of a safe outlet to, um, to play with those, those things that you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable doing in your normal life. And it's a great stress reliever as well, because you can have like the absolute worst day, but you can just go into a session and you play the bad guy and then it all goes away. Oh, totally. And, and even when it's not the bad guy, you know, sometimes when, when you're just really stressed in your real life and you're having kind of an off day and then you see in the script like, okay, this, this character's really upset and they're going to cry and you go, perfect. I've, I've got this, I've got this in my back pocket. We're ready to go. And it's just a good, it's a good, you know, it's a good release. And um, how, how have you found it adapting to the constant changing landscape? Because um, what the voiceover scene is much different than it was like 10 years ago now. Certainly. And, and I, I can, I can really only speak to my own experience as, as um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in this, this business 10 years ago, but uh, just from speaking to people that have been doing this a longer time, I, I think like, like anything change has pros and cons. I, I think there's some wonderful, wonderful things happening lately that I'm so, so pleased to see and, and to be, to be a part of. Um, I love seeing that um, casting directors and studios are really saying, you know what, hey, it's not, it's not good enough to just, you know, throw any actor at a character. We really need, especially in terms of representation, we really need to make sure that the right actor is playing this, you know, uh, identity or, or uh, you know, background or, you know, authenticity, I think is so cool. And that's been really neat to see. Um, I've also heard uh, some actors I know who have been doing this a lot longer uh, talk about how much, you know, the fan base has changed. And with, with things like the internet... Um, and, and social media, it's, it's so much easier to know who is working on your favorite shows and your favorite games now. And I think some, some people kind of miss the days where they could really be anonymous and, and just do the work and not, not feel like everybody knew who they were. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's certainly been a changing landscape. I think some of it's great. Uh, I think some of it, you know, needs to, to, to sort of, how do I want to say this? Um, you know, th things will be figured out with time. I, I think like, like with any industry, you know, there's always growing pains. I, I think the fact that we've opened up opportunity to so many more people is wonderful. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the flip side of that is that now so many people see that opportunity and, and throw themselves in perhaps before they're ready. Um, it's, it's just, it's a very interesting business because it's so accessible, but at the same time, it's also very, um, 
demanding in in what you you can bring to the table and and what you need to be able to do before they'll they'll start uh, paying you to do it. Well, yeah, I mean because you don't know if you're gonna get a role or not. You can you you just go in there and give the best you can give the best take you can give, and if they like it, they'll call you back and you'll get the role. And if they don't, they'll give it to someone else. But absolutely, and don't... and it's funny. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's so funny because I've I've heard a lot of people say this, and I, I completely agree. It's often the auditions that you don't expect that are the ones that you end up booking. Not that you did a bad job, but you just sort of, you know, you're just not sure. You, you do your best and you go, eh, you know, if they like it, great. If they don't, uh, on to the next one. Um, and then they're the ones that you pour your heart and soul into and you feel like it's the perfect fit. And those are the ones you don't hear back for. It's, it's just such a, such a shifting, uh, landscape, like you said. And so it's, it's always funny to me when, when people book something and then later when they're allowed to talk about it, they go, I did not think in a million years I was going to book this one, but there we go. That's why I'm, I'm an advocate of not getting too attached to your characters because when the time com comes to let them go, you won't be too sad about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something that I sort of learned with theater too, because you get so wrapped up in a show, in what role you're playing, in the other, you know, cast mates that you have, and everybody gets really close, and then after however many weeks or months, you know, it's done, and you say goodbye, and some of those people you'll see again, and some of them you won't, and so I think, you know, if you come from that background where, you know, you've put your whole heart and focus into something, but also being able to walk away when it's done, I think it's healthy. <laughs> I mean, but with animation, you rarely see that because nowadays shows can last years and years and, and yeah, uh, definitely. Know, uh, cast members constantly see each other on other shows. So it's, uh, I don't think you get that in voiceover, but you'll definitely get that in theater and live action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, now I'm, I'm curious because we've been talking a lot about me and that, oh, God. Uh, that always makes me a little embarrassed after a while. So I want to know, how did you get started interviewing voice actors? Um, I think I told the story like a bunch of times, but. Um... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, give, me, give me the short version. Uh, short version is I was going through a lot of personal stuff in 2018 and I was unhappy with the original direction of the podcast because the original direction of the podcast was just me and my friend Tom talking about whatever news we could find. And I just wasn't happy with it, with that format. So yeah, I did like a farewell episode to the old format. And I, I was just um, really down on my luck back in 2018 and I was just really depressed and, you know, I had a really terrible um, mental, mental breakdown and, um, you know, I reached out to um, a big name voice actress and, you know, she did it. You know, she, I was shocked that, you know, she she not only responded, but, you know, we you know got to talking and we did the episode. And, and I just thought to myself, well, if I can get that person on here with, you know, with with nothing but, you know, technology, why, why can't I get this person? Why can't I get that person? So I was like, I said to myself, like, OK, if you want to take take the podcast in this direction, you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> strap a rocket to the, to the back and, uh, you know, go, go with it. Cause if you're, if you're not gonna, if you're not going to take this seriously and you're, if you're going to do it like for a short amount of time, then don't bother either, mm -hmm. you know, either take that leap of faith or don't. And I did. 
Yeah. And and kudos to you, because I think so many people go through life not taking those leaps, and then they end up regretting it later. Now, it still feels weird to me, like, looking back at some of the people I talked to on the mm -hmm. show, and it's just, okay, how? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you asked. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's weird, because, like, sometimes I talk to people who I grew up watching as a kid, Mm -hmm. And it feels surreal to me. It's like, I remember watching you when I was like six or seven years old and we're talking right now. It's it's so weird. Yeah, I remember I got to meet Rob Paulson at a convention years ago when I was first getting started. And I, I remember thinking it was the strangest thing because he's such a legend. I'd been hearing his voice my entire childhood. My husband had been hearing his voice his entire childhood and we're both standing there and, and you kind of realize this is just the nicest guy and, and he's so lovely and he wouldn't be here if he didn't want to be. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the really cool things about the VO community is that, you know, it's full of really nice people at, at the heart of it. People who love what they do, who, who like who like talking about what they do and who like meeting people who like what they do. So I, I think uh, that certainly colored my experience very early on in realizing, you know what, like these, these are legends and they're incredible and they could act circles around me, but you know, they're talking to me because they're nice people. No, um, I've, you know, seen, I used to listen to Rob Paulson's, you know, podcast back in, mm -hmm. back in the day. And that was kind of one of my inspirations is that, you know, it's just, you know, he just comes off as so humble and you, I don't think you'll find that in any other acting profession, because with Hollywood actors, we hear stories about how terrible they are and how like egotistical some people are. But mm -hmm. I've yet to hear like stories about voice actors being terrible. Now, yes, there are exceptions. There are <laughs> exceptions. I'm not going to say everyone's perfect. There are exceptions, but no, it's very people. rare. It's very rare to hear like yeah, terrible I, stories I... about voice actors. Yeah, I, I think I think, you know, any any industry where kindness is the norm and, you know, cruelty stands out means that, you know, we're doing we're doing something right as as a community. I mean, but don't get don't get me wrong. You know, just because everyone is nice to each other doesn't mean you're not competing with each other and doesn't mean that if oh, you know, oh, doesn't mean everything's totally. going to be given to you on a silver platter, you know, you still got to work for it. Absolutely. And, and such a huge part of this business I've had to learn is really, you know, finding those ways to feel stable and to feel healthy and to feel like, you know, who you are as a person that's not dependent on what roles you book. One of the things that was so hard about the pandemic and not really having other things to distract me was I, I kept catching myself getting really obsessed with certain auditions or certain opportunities that I was or wasn't getting. And, and I realized that it was because, you know, I was stuck at home uh, and that was kind of all I had to do was, was voiceover. I didn't have theater. I love to travel a lot and that certainly wasn't happening. Um, so a number of my friends and I, you know, started you know, just kind of keeping tabs on each other and, and having an outlet to, so that we could sort of remind each other, you know, this is this is a job. It's a really fun job and we love it and, and we want to keep doing it, but it's not who we are. And, you know, our, our worth as people 
does not depend on on what roles you're you're competing over and you know when i can remember that i feel a lot more um a lot more stable <laughs> and a lot happier to be in this business when when you know you're competing but you don't need to get the gig to feel like a whole person yeah because at the end of the day you're still going to get people who support you for for who you are and not you know, not because to butter you up because you're really popular or whatever. Totally, totally. And and going back to what we were talking about earlier, that's one of the reasons I really love doing additional voices is because I get to play and there's no pressure to, you know, to have a fan base over it, you know, if that makes sense. You're not worrying about your Twitter follower count or, or anything like that. You just get to play and you get to do the job that you love. And I, I really love that kind of work um, because there's just no there's no pressure to be anything other than who you are. I mean, you say that now, but just wait until you book something really big and then, oh boy. <laughs> I, I would really, really hope that, uh, that I don't change as a person if that happens. That's something that's really important to me. Uh, uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe check back in with me in a couple of years and we'll see. We'll see if I'm the same person. I hope so. <laughs> Anyway, uh, before we get going, because we're almost out of time here, um, where can people find you online? Can you give us an update on what you're currently working on? Yeah, so I am on Twitter and Instagram at Lauren A. Mayfield. Um, and then my website with some clips of some of my work is laurenmayfield.com. In terms of what I'm working on now, I can't really talk about most of it, um, but uh, I have a AAA video game that I'm totally stoked about, um, some some really fun uh, projects that I'm recording this week. You know, it's it's just a lot of uh, highs and lows. You have, you have seasons where you work a ton, and you have seasons where you don't work as much, and that's just the nature of the gig, um, and I, I think that... Uh, you know, the, the stuff I'm working on now, I'm going to be really excited to share when I'm allowed uh, to talk about it. And that, that kind of helps get you through the times where, where things are a bit slow, which is just such the norm in any creative business. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been a pleasure. And if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me. I do indeed. This was a pleasure for me, too. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.